0: Hello and welcome to TFM's local watering hole and so excited to be back here in the 602 Club and so glad that Christy Morris is back. Christy, how are you doing in the new year?
1: Oh, I'm doing awesome because we're back here and, you know, we even got a new look this time. It's very retro. There's a lot of gold and maybe a certain print you've heard of before.
0: Ooh, fantastic. No, I'm super excited. I, I do, of course, love the retro look. And so we're very excited this week to be diving into a brand new film uh, called Argyle, uh, starring none other than Henry Cavill and people like Bryce Dallas Howard, Sam Rockwell. I mean, the, the, the list in this movie is endless of the people that are in it. So and of course directed by Matthew Vaughn who gave us things like Kingsman. Um so before we dive in, thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate you spending some time here in the 602 club. Of course, you can find the show wherever you get your podcasts and make sure you're subscribed there. And that way you'll get every episode as soon as it comes out. You can also find us on Twitter at the 602 Club or X or whatever it's called, Instagram at the 602 Club TFM. We'd love to interact with you there. So follow us and interact with us. It's so much fun to be able to talk to people who listen. You can also find us on Facebook with the entire network at Facebook.com slash Trek FM. You can find the Listeners only Discussion Group called the Babel Conference there on Facebook as well. Uh, you can find the entire network online at Trek.fm. And then of course you can join us over at Patreon to make sure everything we're doing here on the network keeps coming to you over at patreon.com slash FM. So Christy, uh, we often do this, but I think that it's always interesting when a brand new film is coming out uh to kind of gauge where we were coming into it, you know, and so I am wondering for you with Argyle, was this something like you had seen the previews for and you'd been kind of tracking it for when it was going to come out and that you were excited for? Or is this kind of one of those where you it was more of a surprise you saw the preview, you know, randomly and were like, oh, that might be good. Where where were you coming into this one?
1: I ran across the preview more um, the latter way where it was here and there. Um, We don't have cable or anything at our house. We just stream. So it was kind of hard for me to catch it uh, unless I was watching something that would have previews. Um, But I did come across it. And all I remember thinking was, that looks interesting. And what is up with the stupid haircut on Henry? Huh. Huh. Okay. (laughs) And something with a cat, but still really piqued my interest. And then Mm -hmm. why the haircut? Why that haircut? All these questions.
0: Yes. (laughs) No, I, I I find that to be uh, true as well in that sense of like, why, why that haircut? Um, And so, no, I, it's interesting that I came across this one specifically, I believe by um, Instagram and Hmm. I I follow um, Matthew Vaughn's production company. And so I I remember finding um, or seeing this from his production company, like that this was going to be coming out like a very long time ago. Um, and being intrigued, just because I really enjoyed the artwork, which at that point was just, I think, a background picture, um, like um, the kind of like the cover of the book almost is um, that they put out uh, for this. And so, yeah, I I saw that, and I I saw Matthew Vaughn, and I knew, of course, I read that Henry Cavill then was going to be uh, a part of this, and it was going to be a kind of a spy movie. So. It was kind of immediately sold, you know, I mean, it's it's a lot of my things that I'm excited about spy movies. Love good spy movie. Mm -hmm. Love me some Henry Cavill. And and I've enjoyed some of what Matthew Vaughn has done in that genre. So I thought, oh, this would be cool. Um, And then this is the weird and interesting thing about this whole part is that. It was said to have been based off a book. But Mm -hmm. it's not really based off a book even though it pretends to be because they did release a novel called Argyle um, which I read and it has literally nothing to do with the movie that got released other than some of the character names Uh, and so that was... I don't know. I I would just say to me, it seems like a very confusing marketing strategy. Um, I'm not really sure how uh, this, um, you know, book that has nothing to do with the movie except for some from some names that exist in the movie also exists in the book. Uh, You know, I don't know how those things are supposed to market each other uh, other than the fact that maybe I guess uh, the ideas, you know this author that's fake in the story of the movie then exists in the, I don't know. <laughs> I, I I still can't quite piece together what they were thinking on this, but I still find it confusing.
1: Well, my first question is, was the book good?
0: I, I really enjoy the book. And in fact, okay. um, it, it might be a detriment to this because I felt like the book was a, a, a pretty fun spy novel book introduced us to the characters in in, in the, the book well. Um, you know, one of the main characters is Aubrey Argyle. Um, and I mean, who the book is named after. And uh, I had a great time reading the book. It, it felt like a great kind of summer beach read spy novel, which, you know, that's exactly kind of what I expected going in.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's good to hear at least that the book was good. Um, and we both know, um especially being avid readers, that the joke is always the book is better than the movie. Hopefully that wasn't the case this time. Um, but I kind of liked this idea for a marketing strategy because I think Vaughn is specifically trying to capitalize on the fact that people get a lot give a lot more attention, I think sometimes when they hear based on a true story or uh, based on the captivating novel by Ellie Conway, you know. Um, and so I think that probably was part of it. Um, but I know from an article I read on Vox about Vaughn being interviewed on a podcast called Happy Sad Confused, that he said it was also like an ode to other things that had been done like that as a joke. Yeah, um and supposedly the real author of the Argyle book in real life is British author Tammy Cohen, who has done a lot of what they called mid-list spy novels. So that kind of tells me right there why it might have the vibe of being like a a B B-movie spy movie. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I guess... What what you're saying is really interesting, um, and I would say uh, that I, th- I I I think the marketing is a huge misfire. Um, mm. It just doesn't work for me, um, mainly because I mean I don't want to spoil it for you, but I just wish the the book that they wrote for this had been the movie it's a much better story than this movie. And so I I think that just doesn't work. Um, and I think that the movie itself gets so convoluted with what it's trying to do. Uh, and we'll talk about later, just the story within a story part. Um, and then of course, with the stinger that they do, like it really makes zero sense what this movie is trying to do in the sense of, it doesn't really even know what it wants to be, I think. Um, and it, it it's always, it's going for, I think the joke so many times and it's going to try and be clever. And I think it out clevers itself because it's just not clever at all. Um, mm. It just becomes more confusing, I think than helpful. Um, I think a much more straightforward type of story might've been better uh, they should have just nixed the idea of having a novel that has nothing to do with the movie at all other than the, the name um, and um, just kind of gone with what they wanted to do here in the movie and focused more on that. I just – I think the the marketing to me is just a complete misfire and it just didn't help um, and it it makes the whole thing – with the the movie itself that we get and the book that they put out it's just really confusing because it just doesn't really seem to make sense because mm-hmm. none of it really seems to fit together very well like i could understand doing a fun marketing gimmick but that really kind of felt like it had a synergy mm-hmm. with the the movie This, I think, lacks that. And it's like, well, if you're going to do some sort of marketing scheme, it needs to have synergy with what you're trying to market.
1: Sure. And it didn't feel at all like a prequel, maybe, because he did say that. No, no, it is not a prequel. No, okay, Uh,
0: it does not feel like a prequel. Um, It doesn't feel like it doesn't have anything to do with this story. Okay, there's I mean, I don't know what Vaughn said, but. This literally doesn't, the book didn't feel like it has anything to do with um, the the movie that we got.
1: Okay. So. I think that's so interesting because I, I didn't read the book, but um, he says that the movie is supposed to be like you're starting at book four. And he literally said, if Lucas could start with episode four, why can't we do that? <laughs> but then if you're saying the book doesn't seem like it's, book one of four in the movie is four and there's any connective tissue, then that is a problem.
0: Uh, Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like that. And mainly because, and I guess we could, we should just go ahead and talk about it because this is where the real confusion comes in is that the stinger makes it feel like it's set inside the Kingsman universe instead of being set in the novel, which we got. Mm -hmm. But there's, but, that just makes things even more convoluted because again, that has literally nothing to do with the novel that was written. And so if you had nixed the Kingsman part, then you could have felt like maybe this had something to do with, um, that. But the other problem of this is, is that the novel is the story about how Aubrey Argyle, Becomes part of the CIA in the first place, and even the the Stinger has literally nothing to do. It's not a scene in the novel. That's not how you know. So again, it's just like mm -hmm. there's no synergy between the two, and so it just makes it more confusing. And then, of course, you add the Kingsman part to it, and just makes no sense you're just like yeah. what how, how does this fit together it doesn't fit together and i think that's really a big problem um with the the concept right and so you could have made this work but i think they just they don't so mm-hmm.
1: well and it's funny you say that about the the kingsman tie-in because i remember thinking when the movie started how much the cinematography and the direction felt like Kingsman, um, where it was, you know, kind of tongue in cheek, still kind Mm -hmm. of spy related um, and not meant to be a serious film. Um, And yet also then, you know, even though I'm not a huge Kingsman aficionado Getting to the end and having that tie-in, I was still kind of going, so how is this part of that? Because I think, you know, obviously the big crux of this whole story is who is the real Argyle? Mm -hmm, And they put in the whole piece about how um, Ellie Conway is actually Rachel Kyle, which is supposed to be like Argyle, Mm -hmm. Arkyle. But then apparently when I was reading the article in Vox later, they were saying that the Henry Cavill reveal at the end that I was thinking was just a joke was saying that, no, he really is the real Argyle. And then somehow the Kingsman tie in is supposed to be like, it's him as a younger guy. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So again, again, you just brought up another incredibly ridiculous and confusing part of the film. The movie is too clever by half, right? It it's it it thinks it's being so clever, but really it's just dumb because it doesn't make any sense. Because none of these things fit together, right? If you if you want these things to fit together, like the reveal of Henry Cavill at the end. You know, being this kind of Argyle-looking-like person, you know, okay. I mean – but again, within the reality of the story as it's been given, it doesn't really make sense. And maybe this is a great time in in some ways to kind of talk about the story within a story because Mm – that goes along with this with the, which is this whole idea of this character of Ellie can't content, can't tell what's real and what's not because she has this main character that she's been writing now for a few years and uh, has become world famous um because people love the her stories she actually sees him in the mirror, right? And he, like, talks to her, you know? And we realize through the movie why this character is real for her because then the movie explains to us that it's her subconscious trying to help her remember who she used to be. Mm-hmm. And so this character is actually her. The stories she's telling are basically all the things that she lived as a spy and so therefore it's it's you know that the names have been changed to protect the innocent you know um that's (laughs) that she doesn't even realize that she's doing that because she's subconsciously drawing on memory she can't remember at this Mm -hmm. point because of, of an accident that that she was in um and it's not really an accident you know she uh Gets blasted into the water from high up and it you know she gets amnesia mm-hmm. and so all of that you know is I think works right it makes sense I think it 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 plays well in the sense of the movie when we get the reveal that she's really Argyle all oh, that's fantastic but then then you add on top of that that reveal at the end with Henry Cavill You know, as if there is a real, real Argyle. And then you add the point of, like, it's supposed to possibly be him in the past joining the Kingsman universe. Like, it just, Mm -hmm. it's too many weird reveals and too many stories within stories. It's it's almost like we've gone down the rabbit hole in Alice in Wonderland. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and I I agree that the first part when we're talking about Ellie and her hallucinations, basically, I liked the original explanation of it being like an author who's been so enveloped in her work and ignoring of real life that she literally tells someone she's in a relationship already with yes. her character. Yeah. <laughs> um because then you're like, oh, that's just sad. Yes. Honey, you need to find yeah. a real man. Um Exactly.
0: Yes. Don't just
1: live for your book. Yes. Um so that was a good angle. I think that if they had left the Henry Cavill reveal at the end as just a joke.
0: Mm-hmm. 100%.
1: The way I originally thought it was meant, that would work. Um I think that where I do get confused is then trying to connect it to the stinger and say, somehow he's Mm -hmm. part of the Kingsman universe. However, apparently that was Vaughn Vaughn's intent from the get go, um, in partnership with, uh, Fuchs who wrote the script that ultimately this is going to tie in with Kingsman and become a series.
0: And I think, can I, I just want to interject real quick is that Mm it, That's the thing that doesn't make – this is why this doesn't work is because we both needed it apparently explained to us. And if you've got to explain something to people outside the film, i got to read some website where you do an interview that helps explain the movie to me. You have failed.
1: At least on that part.
0: (laughs) Well, I but I mean that's the whole crux of the film, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's not just a – what we're talking about is literally – the entire story structure of this movie. And when each successive reveal kind of feels like it, it's chipping away at your understanding to the point where the movie ends and you're scratching your head going, what Mm -hmm. that again, I would say that's an, that's kind of an epic fail when it comes to just basic storytelling and allowing your, audience to feel like they understand what you're trying to do
1: well and i did feel though that until that those two scenes that i liked her character um i think that bryce dallas howard was a perfect choice for this being somebody that's kind of played a reluctant heroine before and stuff like Mm -hmm. jurassic world for example sure um and you know they did explain that um or had Aiden explain that she had to be assisted in remembering things naturally and slowly rather than all mm-hmm. at once because it could actually hurt her to try and do everything all at once, um which makes sense. I'm sure it works mm-hmm. that way with actual amnesia patients um so that explained to me enough mm-hmm why the brainwashing um sure. and the fake parents and things. Yeah. Because they also had their own goal of making her mm-hmm. um like a double agent.
0: Yes. And and I get that too. I think you're right on target with that. I think that there's another thing though that this movie um again with all of its story layers There are too many flops between you're a double agent, you're a triple agent, you're a quadruple agent. It's like there are just too many times of people flipping back and forth, especially, I think, our main character with Rachel. Uh, And it just it's one it's too many times, you know, Mm -hmm. again, I think one of the things that the movie thinks it's doing is being extremely clever and mm-hmm. I would say what it's doing is just being extremely confusing because mm-hmm. the more times you do these things, the more confusing you make it. And so on top of, I think, the uh, confusing nature of the way the tie-in was done, the the successive reveals about what possible universe this is in and what's even going on in the story, like what's real and what's not in this story, I don't even know. because. Again, with the reveal of Henry Cavill at the end and then the whole, you know, Kingsman universe thing. It's just like, I don't know. I don't even know what to trust in this movie anymore, which in all honesty just made me feel like watching this film that I was watching a movie created by AI based off of social media. You know, it's like trying to get the true story from social media Mm-hmm. where you know everybody has their opinions and you can just go down rabbit holes and like i just i that's how i felt this whole movie it's like i don't really know what i'm supposed to know and what's supposed to be quote unquote true in this movie um and and quote unquote real in this world and it and and i think the problem is it and for me personally it just made me in the end completely not care at all like mm-hmm. I, this movie, I I, I just – I was left so cold to it because by the time it ended, I didn't have a, a sense of why I was supposed to care about any of this because I couldn't tell what was what with the story, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so I think that was just a very – uh, you know, frustrating thing for me with that.
1: And I can see that, you know, as far as the flip-flopping of characters on who's on which side, um, mm-hmm. and definitely the piece about how Henry Cavill's character really fits in. Um, mm-hmm. I did think, though, that overall, for me, this felt like an intentional film version of a B-level spy novel, Um, and that all of these things were, like I said, intentional to create this feel that it's not supposed to be a serious spy movie, Um, and that everything is for the joke, Um, but that also I'm really getting from it the love story. I mean, I really liked that back and forth between Rachel and Aiden. And I think that the two of them as actors played so well off of each other, even in the scene where, um, you know, they are doing the um, choreographed dance fighting amongst the smoke, you know, obviously it's meant to be very over the top sure. Um, to the point that there's even heart shapes in the smoke yeah. in multiple colors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But it's kind of sweet because it's showing that they've finally reconnected on that romantic level, mm-hmm. even though it's dramatic. Um, So I end up feeling, you know, much more content mm-hmm. with it and here for the ride yeah. than yeah. letting those other things bother me as much.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know. I totally get what you're saying, and I totally understood that this was not meant to be a serious take, right? Obviously, Mm -hmm. even coming in, knowing the trailers, which is the idea that, you know, what's real, what's not, that this woman's book has basically turned out to be true, all of that kind of stuff. Like, I knew we weren't going to be – this is not going to be a serious movie. right? I think that – what you just said though and and the movie completely 100% lost me when it went from being fun to being a complete farce in my opinion where mm. it just you know it goes so over the top with the ridiculousness of stuff and almost even making fun of itself at that point. Like, I just, I lost any interest in the characters. I lost any interest in the story. And it just, it became a joke in and of itself. And it felt like the worst Roger Moore Bond movie I'd ever seen.
1: Really? Like Worse the, than
0: Moonraker? I would watch I would seriously watch Moonraker. I would watch any I would literally watch any of the 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 Roger Moore Bond movies before I'd watch this ever again. Like that's just how bad I think they destroy the film because mm. I thought it was going in a good direction. I thought you were right in calling out, you know, the whole love story aspect I thought was great. You know, the fact that, you know, he's been for for years now, he's been working uh, to try and you know find a way to to get her back, you know, and to get her memories back, to get back to that that place, right? Mm-hmm. All that stuff was great, you know. I I think you could have. I mean, when they when they do the ice skating part on oil, and you know her putting on these these stupid, you know, ice skate that are made out of daggers stuck to the bottom of her shoe and then it looks it looks awful and to me was it 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 takes things to an absurdist level Mm -hmm. and i think that's where you're just you know you're you're jumping the shark Mm -hmm. um and um Because I think there's a level of fun silliness that the movie had before that was at the right level. Like it's got the right tone. And then it just I think went to an absurdist level and that's where it completely lost me. And I was disappointed in that because before that I was 100% where you were where I was like – well, this movie is fun. I'm enjoying the characters, and I'm enjoying the story and i'm 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 kind of liking that it's not taking itself too seriously and then it it wasn't even that it wasn't taking things seriously it just uh, it was like somebody finished the script by you know taking as much a- as much hallucinogens as possible and then finishing <laughs> the script on you know really high. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i guess for me i i i felt like that scene although over the top was still fun mm-hmm. and yeah uh, i'm glad you. the liked effects it. were not good i will say mm. that in that mm-hmm. scene like the way the oil looked and the way her body looked oh, sometimes yeah. when she spun it was just weird mm-hmm. um but I liked the idea because, I mean, it does make sense, you know, with physics that dress shoes like the one guy was wearing would not work in an oil soaked floor. Oh, sure. yeah. Um, yeah. And that, you know, ice skates might. Um, but I, I thought that overall, the way that they also played her character as she is a total heroine in her own right and Mm -hmm. capable of doing things on her own um, and is still feminine. You know, she can do all of that while wearing an evening gown or she, um, you know, can do things like the figure skating or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, tango while fighting. Yeah. um, Yeah. And doesn't have to be, like, super big and muscly and covered in armor to do it. Oh, yeah yeah um so that part really impressed me because it was something a little mm-hmm. different than you yeah. usually see with a female yeah. hero
0: no i i i think i mean I think all of that's uh, you know nice as well and 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 you know i i have no i have a hundred percent no issues with that that kind of thing either i With Bryce Dallas
1: Howard in a gold dressing gown,
0: (laughs) well, just Bryce Dallas Howard and and everything, and I think all of that was, um, you know, just kind of speaking of the action, and you kind of mentioned, you know, the uh, just the production value in general of of what things looked like, right? It's terrible. I mean, it's just awful. It looks so bad. The whole movie. There are so like. Remember, we were watching Red Notice and we were complaining about how it never looked like they were anywhere other than a green screen. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the same exact thing. It never looks like they're on any other, they're in any other place for the most part than a green screen. There are a few places where you can tell they're in a real place. Yeah. And the vast difference between that, it's kind of astounding, right? And I think that's a. A really big problem with these films is that you know that and look, I know that the beginning of the movie is legitimately the book come to life, right? Mm-hmm. But it still looks so bad, you know. Like it just so it, it 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 it's it's frustrating. It it kind of I think really brings you out of the film in general just to just have the just things not look good they're just mm-hmm. not being composited well um and that is i think a problem in general um i think that's a problem with just films in general and they gotta i it, they have to start f- taking special effects in films like this seriously um i think it's very important that we do that
1: or figure uh, out some way around it. Um, like, I think of specifically that the ice skating scene and the rooftop jump with the cat. The cat looked fake.
0: <laughs> yes. I mean, exactly. I, uh, that's an, uh, 100%. You, you, you uh, The cat never looks real, you know, yeah. um, which is a problem with the movie as well. So, no, I, I, I think... That's a that's a great thing to, to call out and it's it's kind of frustrating. And and you mentioned, you know, I think here an an important part for us, I think, to discuss is, you know, the cast. And and I do believe that, you know, Bryce Dallas Howard is a great choice for this. I think she has a great job of um, you know, being able to uh portray these type of characters and, and just like make you feel for her character, right? Um and you know, when we, when she learns who she really is and all of that, I think it's good. Like she is the right type of person for this. And, um, I, you know, I've enjoyed her in other films as well, you know, specifically the, the Jurassic world series and, and other movies. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's, it was one of those things where I was a little bit sad for her in some ways when the movie just kind of went to the absurdist angle that it took what i thought was like a a good trajectory and it just kind of like it almost felt like that like you know squirrel you know that (laughs) where it's like it just veers sharp left in a direction you're like what Mm-hmm. and and i was disappointed for her in that sense because um i think it just kind of takes away from what she was doing before it takes that route
1: mhm and i could see that i i mean definitely i liked the the viewpoint of who is the real argyle um it was her all mm-hmm. along and sort of telling yeah. the audience sort of you know the power is inside you sure. um You've just got to bring it out kind of thing. And then felt like it was taking it away by saying, well, actually, Henry Cavill is the real Argyle. Um, I think it would have been a good angle to just have kept it as it's her. Um, Yeah. But I do think she is obviously a great actress and really makes you believe her in this role um, as a person who's struggling between two identities. And then the love story she had, I think it sold it even more because honestly, they chose Sam Rockwell to play Aiden. Yeah, I was no, so I surprised.
0: I I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, Sam Rockwell, I think, was fantastic in the film. I think uh, it, it's crazy because he really is the person I think, in 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 all honesty, that that really brings this to light uh, in a way that. Like he's so real in the movie right mm-hmm. like he's so I think he's just so um likable like just I kind of love he's the charming idea that yes he is charming um and like he has the right attitude for the whole thing and so I think he does a great job uh and I loved him in the in the role you know and you know I, I think the the thing that I was um I guess kind of thrown off by and, and I didn't really love the choices were, you know, I like Brian Cranston and I like Catherine O'Hare. But there to me, that was specifically a place where the choices that they made to, to overact in every single scene that they're in, and to overplay every single scene, um, that's that's one of the places where I I was already starting to feel frustrated with the movie. Uh, is that oh my gosh, really? Like we're we're gonna just overplay these scenes that badly? Um, and it, it it was kind of the place where um I I, I was getting kind of a uh, ooh, I don't know. You know, kind of feel mm. um, every time, honestly, that that they were were on screen, and and that to me is was a little bit, you know, frustrating because outside of them, I think again the movie had a really good tone with the relationship there between Bryce Dallas Howard and 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 Sam Rockwell, which were really um, grounding the film in some ways, right. Mm -hmm. and they just kind of took it to this absurdist level even before we got really absurd because they were just kind of uh, hamming it up every single chance that they got instead of playing it a little bit cooler. Uh, And I just, yeah, it just did not work for me.
1: Yeah, um, I would kind of agree with that too. I I love both of them, but I do think that when they got to the reveal of them not being her real parents, Katherine O'Hara seemed to kind of revert to her role of um oh gosh, what was the show I'm thinking of now? She just did it. Uh Shits Creek. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know? Um mm-hmm. with a an evil twist. Um mm-hmm. yep. It felt more like stage acting than film acting. Yes. Um yes. and kind of same for Brian Cranston, which sucked because mm-hmm. I love him, and I was excited to yeah. see him as the villain. He's great. Um, and he was good at first. I really liked the scene he had where he first introduces Clementine, <laughs> oh, yeah, his family's rifle, um, and you know shows himself to be a formidable person. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's later that it just starts to get to be too much with him. Um, mm-hmm. I yeah. wish that they had stuck more with that original tone when they first yes. brought him in.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, And I think that, you know, one of the things that's so interesting for both of us is how much, you know, we both love Henry Cavill. And yet I think it's so interesting how little he gets to do in the film, you know, and I think it's it's kind of. uh, Yeah, he just really doesn't have much to do you know and it it's interesting and kind of sad like that you know I love him in these these spy films right I love him in uh the man from uncle uh, mm-hmm. and you know more than anything I would love to see him get an opportunity to, to to play a a cool spy character I mean and he's fantastic in Fallout Mission Impossible Fallout right and mm-hmm. so um you know, I, I I was kind of excited to see him in this and I just I felt like the, he's unfortunately pretty underutilized, which is somewhat disappointing.
1: Well, and it, yeah, I mean, I think that part of the reason he was asked to be in this film and maybe I'm wrong, but is that he has a lot of pull for people And so naturally seeing him as the first one really advertised being in the movie is going to draw people to say, oh, I should see that. It has him in it Um, and also the haircut choice. Um, And I think (laughs) that he yes, he didn't have a lot to do, but also I'm wondering if Henry chose the role because it was something a little goofy and different. And not having to be something as serious as like a man of steel or something, um, you could sure. tell that uh, he had fun with it. Yes, and I yeah, I do I think again. that the scenes that he and John Cena have together are mm-hmm. so funny. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, I I agree. I I you know again I I think um, it, it, it there's. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the, the portrayal. I don't think it, it's that, you know, at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it's just more for me. I'm like, man, I just I love this dude. And I would love for him him to have more to do in the role. And I, I 100% agree. I think you nailed it. You know, obviously, the reason that you cast him is that he brings a gravitas towards this. Uh, and in that sense of like you because of who he is. And I think the the fan following that he has people mm-hmm. enjoy then the scenes that he's in mm-hmm. you know and and that's exactly what you want in this um because of the structure of the story and so
1: and i mean who doesn't want to do the whirly bird with him
0: I, uh, you know uh, <laughs> i i'm good i think um i i would say no to the whirly bird um and um but you know uh, at least with Henry Cavill, uh, you know, I, I love Henry Cavill, but that that would not be what I would choose. But I can, totally <laughs> undersee, I can totally understand why, you know, every woman in the theater would like to do the whirly bird with him. Uh, and so uh, you mentioned, obviously, you know, one of the things that this this movie kind of does is in its production, it really does have a lot of similarities to the way in which Matthew Vaughn's original Kingsman films kind of go. Um, And I think you were a hundred percent right in that. Um, and it's, I think for the most part, you know, whether it's the costumes or anything like that, everything kind of being very stylized, the music choices that we're getting and everything. Yeah. I think, all of that is fun and it works, right? It it does add to, I think, the just the overall fun nature of the film, and that part I didn't really have any issue with that bit in the production. You know, the mm-hmm. the, the other side of the production when we're talking about the actual. Uh, uh, effects and all that stuff that's going along with the production doesn't work but i think you know all the choices you made they made with the music was was enjoyable and and i and, you know i i i liked uh and then i you know the all the costuming and everything all, that was all that stuff was great you know i think they did a very mm-hmm. good job with all that stuff it you know that matthew vaughn definitely uh i think understands uh how to create uh arresting visual looks for his characters, right? Like it, mm-hmm. it seems as though when he's working with the costume designer, he has a very clear idea of what he wants things to look like and then they make it happen and I think they absolutely did that with this. Um which is mm-hmm. awesome. I mean that's what you want, right? With this type of film, you do kind of want that kind of a iconic nature for the costumes the characters are wearing. Um, In the book, we actually learn why he has – Argyle has the haircut that he does and wears the types of suits that he does. Mm. Uh, and so that's a really enjoyable – again, one of the parts I really enjoyed about the book because it really created a fully rounded character in Aubrey Argyle. Um, and so maybe we'll see that story at some point. I don't know. But yeah, yeah I thought that was fun.
1: Well, and I do love that they acknowledge in the dialogue, by the way, the stupid haircut. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's It just doesn't suit his beautiful face. Shouldn't have done it. But I get why, even though no one likes it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're totally right. He Vaughn knows how to create a scene. Um, he had a clear picture in his mind of what he was looking for. And I'm thinking back to, you know... The way that he did kick-ass, for example, had a very stylized look that was totally different than this. But you immediately got the vibe he was going for of like comic book POW sock bright colors, superheroes. Um, and here you definitely set the stage for mystery and intrigue in dimly lit rooms in the 70s kind of thing. Um and I think that they do so well with immediately taking you into that with Barry White as the opening song, um, which I can't help but wonder was a nod to Henry Cavill and him building his home PC with that same song in the background.
0: <laughs> <sighs> yeah, yeah, I could see
1: that. Right? Like, he's yeah. like, all right, I'll do the movie, but you got to use this song.
0: hmm Yeah. <laughs> I'm... um. You know, with with all that we have talked about with this, I am really interested to see where you land, you know, with with your ratings with
1: Argyle. Yeah. So, I mean, probably it's no surprise that through the conversation, I have a generally more positive outlook on it. Um, But I, of course, understand your concerns and feelings about it, too. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for me, it ultimately comes out. On a positive note, because there's so much there that kept me on the hook throughout the movie, in spite of some of the things being too over the top or too clever for its own good. Um, I still thought it was fun and I would watch it again um, and loved the feel of it. And uh, and I think that the casting played such a big part in that, even for some of the big names not getting a lot to do, like Samuel L. Jackson. Um, it's still really fun to me and, and different, not so derivative of a lot of things we've seen lately. So I end up giving it a three and a half out of five Argyle-shaped lockets, because I would definitely watch it again.
0: Nice. Yeah, so for me... I would say, and I hate to say, this is legit one of the worst movies I've seen in a long time. Aww. I think um, it's a it, it's almost a complete fail on every level for me. Uh, I, and part of that was I was looking forward to this movie. I really enjoyed uh, Vaughn's The King's Man. Um, I thought mm-hmm. that, that prequel to the Kingsman series was actually better than his Kingsman movies. I thought that it had the exact I mean we talked about that movie together here yeah. on the show and we both ended up really liking it and and I think part of that was that it had the exact right tone the whole time. Um you know it knew exactly what it was and it never deviated from this. I think this film just didn't know what it was throughout the to the, the movie and its tone is so wildly all over the place that by the end, I just was exhausted and just didn't care about anything or anyone that was on screen. I just wanted it to be over. Uh, and um, yes, I found it to be probably one of the most disappointing experiences in the in the theater in a very long time. Uh, and so I'm going to give this one and a half uh, flat top haircuts because it's just... You know, I would say wait till this is on Apple Plus and and just stream it there. I, you know, I was super excited about this movie and it met zero expectations, uh, but it also just left me completely cold. And so, um, yeah, I'm sure people could come after me and be like, oh, well, you know, you didn't meet your expectations. Well, I felt like I went in with the expectation that this was going to kind of be a goofy movie. Uh, and, and just like <laughs> basically like um, feel like The Kingsman mm-hmm. or The King's Man type of film where there's some, uh, you know, less than serious nature to it. But I, I think it took that and it just, you know, ran with it in a way that I, I think really hurt it for me. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, hopefully – As we look forward to uh, what's coming up next for us, which is Dune part two, uh, Mm -hmm. that uh, things will get much better. I I think that they will. But Christy, uh, you know, if people wanted to catch up with you and see what's going on with you, where would they find you?
1: You can find me, of course, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Well, Instagram and Twitter, I guess, at Bespin Bell, as always. And then on Facebook with my actual name, Christy Morris, um, and in the Babel Conference. And then, of course, in my finished podcast I did with my friends Amanda and Teresa called Sabers and Spells on the Skywalking Through Neverland Network, if you want to go check that out. And what about you?
0: Well, uh, you could find me all over the place on social media under the name Matt Rushing 2 Of course, I'm here on the network and doing The Orb, Warp 5, The Artificial Tango, and Saddle Up, uh, as well as Literary Treks. You can also find me over on the Nerd Party Network with a couple of shows. One is called Owl Post, talking about every single chapter of the Harry Potter series. And then you can also find me with Aggressive Negotiations with John Mills as we talk about Star Wars each and every week. But thank you... So much for joining us,
1: and y'all come back now, you hear.